So, uh, going on vacation for a few days, and one of the things that uh, I was thinking about on, uh, as far as going out on vacation with your family, taking some time, rest, getting away, that kind of thing, it's the drive to get where you're going. Um, and if you have kids, or if you were a kid at one point in the room, uh, you, you know this has happened to all of us, and uh, it is written in the DNA code of a child to do this. Um, and I, I don't know how or why. I don't know where it came from for me when I was a kid, and I don't know where it came from for my kids, because I certainly did not teach them this. But um, uh, as far as road trips are uh, concerned, um, not only do they constantly have to use the bathroom, I feel like that's like a continual theme, right? Um, you don't have to tell them that magically they need to go pee 10 times uh, when you're going like an hour away, but it just happens. And uh, even though they, they don't do that like, you know, normally throughout the day, but for whatever reason in the car, it's like, I got nothing to do. So I'll just say, I gotta go to the bathroom. Um, but uh, anyway, um, the, the one thing I, I was thinking about this week is uh, kind of getting prepared for this trip we're, we're going on. Um, they always ask this question. Do you know the question? Are we there yet? <laughs> like it's even gotten so bad with my kids um, uh, that like when we're when we're leaving from like my house in Wahlberg and we're going to somewhere in Winston, you know, like a five minute drive, or or we're going somewhere in High Point, like the the question always show, are we there yet? Hey, Dad, are we there yet? And I mean, even like leaving a place in High Point and going to my house, they'll say, hey, are we there yet? And I'm like, are we in the driveway? No, we're not there yet. Like, what do you mean? You know what my house looks like. You know where we live. Um, and, uh, and so that I was kind of gearing up for that question. You know what I mean? Because uh, typically when I'm driving down the road and my, my kids ask me that question, I start to grip the steering wheel. And every time they ask it, I grip it a little tighter to the point that like sometimes there's indentions in my steering wheel. And, um, and so I'm like preparing myself that I'm not going to do that this time. I'm just going to say, no, we're not. We're just not there. And uh, so um, anyway, that question, are, are we there yet? I, I think sometimes that uh, that's a question that, that like kind of comes up over, uh, over our life. Like, like we're not, we're not where we used to be and we're not where we're going, but, but like we're not there yet. And, and I don't even know where there is necessarily, but I'm just not there. You know what I mean? I, I, I want to go wherever it is that I'm going, but I'm not really sure that I'm there yet. And so sometimes I just kind of ask the Lord, hey, am I there yet, God? Like the, the, maybe it's the suffering, maybe it's a struggle through life. Maybe it's the, I don't know, whatever season of life you're in, like, God, are, are, we, are we there yet, God? I, I feel like I, may, I might need to arrive at something. And, and so uh, that's kind of been on my mind. And, uh, and, and I want to I wanna, uh, pose to you this morning that um, maybe, maybe we already are there yet. And, uh, and, and so um, I want to use a couple stories in Scripture to, to unpack that. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings, uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. And just to kind of give you some, some back history real quick, uh, I've been reading a lot in First and Second Kings, and um, the, uh, one of the main streams in, in these, these two books is this transition 
uh, of the prophet Elijah, who was the mouthpiece of God to the nation of Israel. Elijah, with a J, he was the, the mouthpiece of God. Um, he shows up in the latter part of 1 Kings and then a little bit in 2 Kings. And, uh, and then in 2 Kings, it's this transition of Elijah to Elisha uh, with an S-H. And um, uh, Elisha becomes the mouthpiece of God to the nation of Israel. And there's all kinds of amazing uh, God-inspiring, miraculous stories that happen through First and Second Kings. And I would just encourage you to study that in, in your own space, in your own time. Um, but, but specifically, uh, I, I want to just kind of jump you into where we're at in the story. So uh, in, in chapter 1 of Second of Kings, Elijah is getting ready to be taken up to heaven. And so um, he knows it. I guess the Lord has told him that that's what's going to happen. And Elisha, uh, he tries to get Elisha to leave and go stay somewhere because he knows that he's going to keep moving on. And, and he's getting ready to be taken up into heaven. And every time that Elijah tells Elisha, uh, hey man, why don't you just stay here? Elisha goes, nope, like I'm not, I'm, I'm going with you. Where, wherever to the end, like we're, we're in this and I'm going with you. And, uh, and so Elisha uh, follows Elijah all the way until he is taken up in scripture by a whirlwind. I've seen all these tons of pictures of Elijah, uh, like in my old Bible kids books and stuff, when he's like riding on this fiery chariot, like up to heaven. Newsflash, that's not true. Um, it says that the fiery chariot separated Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. So uh, that was, that's the new picture is he's riding up in a whirlwind, which I've got a whole theory on that, and that's a, another day. But anyway, so uh, Elisha sees this take place, and he takes on the mantle of Elijah as the prophet um, to the nation of Israel. And he, uh, he goes in 2 Kings. The first thing that he does is uh, Elijah's cloak falls out, um, and uh, he leaves it on the ground. And so Elisha picks it up, and he goes and he hits the Jordan River with it and says, where's the God of Elijah? And the river parts. And Elisha walks through the river. And so it was like literally this group of, of, of people uh, saw this take place. And so they're like, wow, surely Elisha now has the anointing. He has the, the favor of the Lord. He has the, the mantle of the prophet, uh, of the mouthpiece of God to the nation of Israel. And so that's kind of where we're jumping into the story. Elisha has just kind of started his prophetic ministry, for lack of a better word. All right, so here we are in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. Let's look at verse uh, 19. It says, um, Now the men of the city... Oh, by the way, let me jump real quick. He went to Jericho. I forgot to tell you that part. So he goes to Jericho, and he's hanging out in Jericho with uh, a, a group of men in Jericho. And in 19, it says, Now the men of the city, the city of Jericho, said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of this city is pleasant. Or in, in other words, we're in a good place. We're in a good place geographically. We're, we're just in a good place um, as, as a whole. Uh, he said, We're, the city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. Um, he said, Elisha said in verse 20, 
bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought him this bowl with some salt in it. It says, then he went to the spring of water and threw salt in it and said, thus says the Lord. So Elisha is speaking on behalf of God in this statement. Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from now on. Uh, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. In other translations, if you're reading it from your Bible, it might say uh, barrenness, um, not just miscarriage, but, but barrenness or unfruitfulness. Um, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day, according to the word Elisha spoke. Um, okay, so, so first off, um, in this passage, Elisha knew that he had been given the authority to speak on behalf of God. He knew that, that the anointing and the authority of the Lord had come on him, and now he had the ability to speak on God's behalf into a situation. And so the, the people... The, the, the group of men that Elisha with wit was with saw him take Elijah's cloak and hit the Jordan River and it split and they go, well, surely he ha- he's the mouthpiece of God now. And so the next thing that they logically do is they go to him and they say, hey man, um, our city is in a great place. Everything's good except the water's bad. Um, so can you do something about it, mouthpiece of God? Can you, can, you, can you do something about our situation? And so then Elisha takes this new bowl. He said, bring me a new bowl, right? Which uh, personally, this is just my own interpretation of it. I think that the new bowl is like the symbol of Elisha in his new ministry. He, he's the, the vessel. He's the bowl. He said, put salt in it. Um, salt is like a, a symbol in, in Leviticus and Ezekiel multiple times in the Old Testament. It talks about salt being um, a, a seal of a covenant, like that you season something with salt, the sealing of a covenant. And, uh, and so uh, Elisha takes the salt and he throws it into the, the water that was bad. And so in this city of Jericho, the, the water was was unproductive, okay? Like, like, understand this. It was killing the people. It was killing the livestock. It was killing the plants. It was killing everything. The city was in a good place, but the water was bad. And, uh, and, and, and even to the point that it was causing miscarriages, it was causing death, it was causing an unfruitfulness to be in the city, even though the city was in a good place. Um, and so Elisha, he, he, he literally brings life and fruitfulness to the city, knowing that he is the mouthpiece of God. That this whole thing, like what he is doing, it's not him, it's God. He's acting on behalf of God. He is a physical representation of God to this city, right? Um, like I said in, uh, in this passage, when it, when it says uh, in verse 20, 21, excuse me, 
um, that neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. That, that word uh, miscarriage is translated in, in different uh, versions, multiple places like barrenness and unfruitfulness and stuff like that. But, but the idea, catch this, the idea of miscarriage or barrenness or unfruitfulness is that, that something is taken away from something that should be. Like, like there is a cause of something that is taking life away. So like if, if, if you think about it in terms of a miscarriage, a baby should come, but something caused life to be removed from the mother's womb. A tree should be bearing fruit, but there is something that is causing the fruit to not be present on the tree or on the vine or whatever. The animals should be reproducing. They should be having multiple livestock, but they're not because something, in this case, the water that is bad, is is causing a death to occur. And Elisha is the mouthpiece that speaks over this. He speaks on God's behalf because of the water situation. Um, this, this story is very significant for me um, because like literally I was just, like I said, I've been reading in First and Second Kings a lot the last several weeks and I'm just reading along in my Bible and, um, and, and I read this story, oh, there's bad water and he throws salt in it. And then, and then Elijah, Elisha makes this, that statement, from now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. And like I said, that's my ESV, that's my, the version that I study from, that's, that's the way that it words it. But that like smacked me in the face. And if you've, if you've been around Hope City for a little while, um, you, you know that that's, it's fresh for me because, um, gosh, I don't want to cry through this. I'm such a baby. Uh, that um, that uh, my wife and I recently, about a year and some change ago, experienced a miscarriage. And so that was really tough for us. And so anytime like I read something like this in scripture, this, this gets like real, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just reading along. Oh, here's Elisha, da, 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 da. You know, he's taking on the mantle and slapping water and everything's part and whatever. And there's like, boom, death and miscarriage. And it just like hits me in the face. And immediately, like y'all know what I'm talking about? Like when, when that there's a word or a, a situation or something that happens in your life that immediately takes you back somewhere that like somewhere you've been for a minute, like where you've kind of circled the wagon for a minute and like, like whether that's a traumatic event or whether that's a good thing, right? Like, like we see a picture of something and that takes our mind to like a really good place or, or a bad place, whatever, or we hear a word or uh, something like that, right? Um, that, that happened, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like there's, Elisha says, no longer is there gonna be death and miscarriage. And I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. Um, because I, I have, this is real for me. This is a real thing for me. And, um, and so I, I just wanted to share that um, uh, because as, as Sky and I, uh, my wife and I kind of walked through this, this journey um, of, of miscarriage, we, we now have a context for people who struggle through a death. We, we have a, a different, a new context. Like we, we've had people die in our families and, and things like that. And, and, and every time, every time we experience some kind of traumatic event, like it gives us a new context for something. Um, but, but I have a new context and, and she has a new context for this, this idea 
um, that something that should be has been removed. Something that should take place is not going to. Because, like, there's a situation. The water's bad. And, um, and so, um, like, like as a, as a, as a people, like as a family, my wife and I, and, and, and over this place as well, like what, what I think that this house is called to, what we as a church family are called to, is in the traumatic events of our lives, like we're, we're called, like the, the traumas are going to happen, okay? Newsflash, bad things are going to happen. I don't want them to, we don't expect them to, but they do sometimes, and, and what we are called to do is, is experience, like, the trauma to the point that it actually calls us to call down a principle that exists in the kingdom over that situation. And so in, in this particular space, Elisha saw that there was death and there was unfruitfulness that was happening in this city. And so he literally called down, like, through, through imagery. Give me a bowl and give me salt, right? And he just throws salt in the water, and that's it. Like, that's all he did. He did nothing magic. He did nothing powerful. Like, God did everything else. All he did was show up and say, give me a bowl and some salt, right? And, 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 and so, like, literally, Elisha partnered with God and the anointing that he had on him and literally, like, spoke something symbolically that happened, that God did, over a situation, over an issue. And, and like I said, I have a new like, experience for this because I, I remember um, when Skye, uh, a year and a half so ago, when she got pregnant and, and, and we, um, like, we, we typically don't, um, <laughs> how can I say this in a nice way? We typically don't have accidents. Can I say that? Is that okay? Um, I'm sorry if that offends you. Um, but, like, but like we literally think through having children because we, we believe that they're from the Lord. And, and so um, it's, it's like one of those things like, okay, Lord, like we think we're supposed to reproduce now and, and, and like let's, let's partner with you for this to happen. And, um, and so uh, lo and behold, like she gets pregnant and, and I mean, we've never had an issue with pregnancy before. So it just kind of, we, she got pregnant and I'm like, great, you know, here's another baby. And, um, but, but the thing that I remember, like thinking back on that, that season is, um, when we first found out she was pregnant, it was like, oh, great. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we, we wanted to have another baby, but it was like, ah, there's another mouth to feed, you know what I'm saying? Like financially, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to pay more, like, you know, and insurance, who knows what's going on with that and like all these other things, you know? And, um, and so uh, I just remember like very flippantly thinking about life and thinking about this baby that was coming and just being like, man, it's just another mouth, you know what I mean? She says, it's another baby. Like, you know, we've, we've done this twice before. We've got two kids and another one's coming. There's, it'll be no different. Like, it's just, a, it's just a kid, you know what I mean? And here we go. And, um, and I even remember, like, thinking back on it when we would talk about her being pregnant and the things leading up to it, just very flippantly thinking about, oh, my gosh, like, I don't want to go through this. 
and I'm not even the one that's pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, like the whole nine month thing and the baby and, you know, all that, the delivery, that was a nightmare for me. I don't know. Oh, geez. And listen, I know, like, I know I'm such a, I know, like, I'm not the one, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. So that even makes it worse because I'm just like a pansy, I guess. But anyway, so, um, uh, and, and then we found out that the baby's heart wasn't beating and that like changed the game. You know what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden this went from like, eh, life, baby, eh, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? To Lord, <laughs> Hey, um, what's going on? Right? Like, like our, our world literally shifted in, in like an instant. And, um, like I remember sitting in the, in the room and my wife did ultrasounds uh, back in Wilmington where we live. She's an ultrasound, got certified in that kind of stuff or whatever. And so I know what I'm looking for because I've seen it enough. And, um, and when they, you know, did the ultrasound thing and didn't see the heartbeat, I was like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Immediately, like the whole atmosphere changed. Everything changed. And um, we were just like, Lord, now what? And that was when we hit our knees, right? And isn't it funny how that happens? <laughs> like, I, we can just be cruising along, life doing our thing, good, bad, ups, downs, all that kind of stuff, until the trauma hits, until the, the, the reality sets in, right? And then all of a sudden, magically, we feel the need to pray about it, right? And, um, and so we, we hit our knees, and we start fasting and praying and, and asking the Lord to, like, revive this baby and, and so on and so forth. And, um, and that didn't happen. Like, she miscarried. And... Um, uh, I, I will never, I don't think on this side of eternity, I'll be able to understand why that happens. Like, I, I don't believe, I don't, I don't understand why, um, everyone with cancer is not healed. I don't understand why people that are terminal and that are dying, like why they, that like why sometimes people die. I don't, I don't get why babies miscarry. I don't understand it. Okay. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not up here uh, trying to like beat on you and tell you that you're doing something that is causing this. Cause like, that's where my mind immediately went to is like, oh, I've been so flipping about life. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm just a, I'm, had a flipping attitude. Well, God's like, I'm going to show you. No, God doesn't do that. He's a loving father. He doesn't, he doesn't punish us by taking a life away like that. That's, that's just silly. Um, and, and, and so like, um, I, I had to like embrace this, this idea that like, this wasn't me. <laughs> like I didn't cause this. Um, but I do know who causes it because there's bad water around here. And, and there's an enemy that we're all fighting and there's an enemy that we all experience the effects of there's, there's inherent sin in our lives um, even though we're, we're followers of Jesus and even though um, we're washed clean and when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of Jesus, we are still in the flesh living out the residual causes of our sin. That's, that's why miscarriage and, and death and, and those things are occurring. And so, so like when this miscarriage happened, I, I had to like literally have this, this moment with the Lord about it. And um, um, just a side note, uh, I remember the Sunday that I came forward and if you, were in, if you were here, like we were at the high school, I remember this. I, of all things, okay, I find out on a Friday that this is going to happen, like that, or that, 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 that there's no heartbeat. And, um, um, and I, on a Friday, and I'm supposed to speak on Sunday. 
And I'm like, are you kidding me, God? Like, what in the world, right? And, um, and so I, I had this moment where I just stood up and I felt like the Lord was like, if I can't share this and I, I can't not share this and preach. I just can't. And so, so like I just blurted it out when I got up on stage. And, um, and what happened is I remember turning around and laying down at the altar and like this flood of people just like came over me and over our family. And, um, and that was just super powerful. And, uh, and, and, and like after that, like everybody lays their hands and we're praying and we're just like going at it, like um, believing that the Lord's gonna continue to heal us and so on and so forth. And, uh, and literally it was like after that, when everybody got up, it was like the Lord was like, now you can speak. And immediately like, okay, I'm, I'm in now. And then I, I, I don't even remember what I talked about, but I talked. But I, I, wanna, I wanna tell you this. This is a side note to what I have to say this morning, but um, transparency leads to freedom. And freedom leads to your breakthrough. I'm telling you, it is a tactic of the enemy to, for you to believe that whatever it is that you're going through, that you don't need to let other people into it. It is a tactic of the enemy to keep you hold up in your own space, feeling trapped like you can't get out, like nobody else knows what you're experiencing, nobody else knows what you're going through, nobody else has this same thing, and, and, and you gotta just man up, and you just gotta struggle, and you just gotta get through it. One of the, one of the trickiest things that I've heard the enemy say to me is, don't you believe God can get you through this? And sometimes I bought into like, okay, just me and God, like I just got to go through this. When the whole time God is saying, don't you realize I put a family around you? <laughs> like I'm the family, I'm the bodies, I'm the, I'm the voices, I'm the, I'm the Elishas that's going to throw salt on this. Like that, like I'm, I want to heal this. And I'm not saying sometimes like it's just you and God. When you're laying your head on, on the pillow at night trying to go to sleep, it's you and him, but man, more often than not, it's you and, and people, humanity and God. It's all of us together. And so I just want to tell you, like in, in Ephesians 5, it says this, um, 5, 13 and 14. It says, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I literally had this picture of, of like, if you're holding something in the dark, you have no clue what it is. If, if you just walk into a dark black room and somebody puts something in your hand, you don't even know what it is, you're just holding it. And when the light turns on, immediately all the darkness flees and you see what it is. Like that passage says, anything that is visible is now light. So think about this. When, when we have things that's in our life and we buy into this idea that we don't need to share it, that we don't need to be transparent, that we don't need to, um, that, that we need to just like walk through this thing on our own. It's a tactic of the enemy to keep whatever it is that you're holding in the dark, i.e. sin to surround it, darkness to surround it, his evil forces to surround it. But when you come out and you say, hey guys, I'm struggling with why a good God, why my father is allowing a miscarriage. 
I'm a pastor on the stage. I'm the speaker. Like, I'm supposed to have this together, right? That's what I've been told in the South. And I say, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And immediately, all the darkness flees, and the only thing that's left is what's visible. And what's visible is a good, loving God that is for us, that is walking with us, that doesn't want death, that doesn't want destruction, that doesn't want the absence of life or unproductive or unfruitfulness. He, he only wants to, pro, to produce fruit and to provide fruit and to walk with you. And so, so like all that darkness goes away and the only thing that I'm holding my, in my hand is the Father. Like, like me and him, we're like nestled in together. We're walking together. And so I, I just wanted to share that this morning because I, I feel like that, that some of you are bumping up, like bumping your head at the breakthrough part. And maybe there's something that you need to be transparent about. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, like calling out sin and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, maybe somebody's stuck in some sin or things like that. Um, but the reality is, is you're not stuck. Because if you just like come to the light with, with a group of people that love you and love God and, 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 and love is abounding in them, then the only thing that's left is all the darkness goes away and it's just Jesus. It's just the Father. It's just love. It's just grace and mercy. Um, and so I, I just want to encourage you with that. The, the nature of, of prophecy in Scripture in the New Testament is not exposure for sin's sake. It's exposure so that the, the darkness goes away. <laughs> it, that's the purpose. The darkness goes away so that the light shines. And when the darkness goes away in your life and the light shines on you, that all, the, all that's left is just you and Jesus in purity and perfection. So there's that, right? Um, So all this this morning is a spiritual imagery for something that I believe is happening in this community. It's happening in our lives. It's happening in you and it's happening in me. Um, and and um, there, there's, there's, a, there's a situation that we have in this community, in our culture today. Our community is situated in a great place. Like, like literally, geographically speaking, and just where we are. Like, we're in America, friends. We're in, like, the 1% of the world. We, we've, we've got everything we need to survive and thrive. And we're in a great location. Like, geographically speaking, North Carolina is a wonderful place to be, right? Like, we are in, in, in an excellent place. We're in a great position. But there's bad water that's flowing through this community. And it's the water of the enemy And he is lying and stealing and cheating and destroying us of the productivity and the life that Jesus came to bring each and every one of us. He's robbing us of life. He's robbing us of fruitfulness. He's robbing us of productivity. And when I say that, I don't mean just miscarriages, although I believe that that is a part of it. By the way, newsflash, I just want to throw this in there. Me and my wife are pregnant again, like rock and roll. Um, I know I've said that a couple times, but I'm just excited about that. Um, and uh, uh, it, it brings the sanctity of life like to a new level. You know what I mean? Like every day I'm like, belly, baby. You know what I mean? It's just cool. Um, so, uh, um, but, but, but literally like the enemy is wanting to destroy and take away the, the productivity, the birth of something new. 
Maybe it's a dream that you've had that the Lord has birthed in you. Maybe it's a, a, a job or a family or a situation or whatever it is. Maybe it's physically, literally like a baby. Now, I don't know what it is, but I believe that the Lord is birthing in us new life and productivity because in the kingdom, that is all that exists. In the kingdom, life is all that exists. Productivity is what exists. We were called to fill the earth, to subdue it, to multiply, to be fruitful. That is what we are called to do. That is our identity as followers of Jesus. But the water's bad. We're drinking from the wrong water. And so you and me are the Elisha in the story. And here's how I want to prove this. This is, this is God's promise to you and me. And it comes in Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going we're gonna to end on this. I could talk for like three more hours, but I'm not. Um, but, but here it is. This is God's promise to us through Jesus. Here's how you and me are the Elisha in the story. Okay? Watch this with me. Okay? And... Um, First off, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, it's not going to be on the screen, but it says this. It says that God raised Jesus up from the dead, raised him from the dead. It says, and it, he seated him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. In the heavenly places. So, so watch this. In Ephesians chapter 2, listen, it says this. Um, but God, in verse 4, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Verse 5, watch this. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. That word alive together means that you and Jesus have literally come alive together. <laughs> like, like it means that you've been awakened together. The best imagery that I've been given for this, and my wife like spoke on this before, and so I stole this from her. Like she's the genius behind this, but it's pregnancy. When you have a baby inside you, you are alive together. Literally, we are impregnated with Christ. We are filled with life together. And it says, listen to this. By grace you've been saved, verse 6, and raised us up. God raised us up and seated us with Jesus in the heavenly places in Christ. Seated us with the Father in the heavenly places with Christ. So many times I feel like we're asking, are we there yet, God? <laughs> Am I there yet, God? I don't know where there is, but I just need to get there, God. I want to pose to you this morning, you're already there. Where are you today? You're seated with the Father. At the right hand of God, with Jesus Christ, you are sitting beside him. You and Jesus are seated in heavenly places. Your spirit in your mind has the ability to be seated in the heavenly places with God to think heavenly thoughts, to think kingdom-minded. But instead, we're drinking the bad water and just believing what's going on in the physical. 
We see a miscarriage take place. We see, we see, we see somebody with cancer. We see somebody with death around them. And we go, well, I guess they're going to die. <laughs> Elisha says, no, no, no. Bring me a bowl and some salt. Guys, we're the Elishas in the community. Don't accept death. Don't accept cancer. Don't accept struggle. Don't accept unfruitfulness. Don't just drink the water because it's there. Find a new stream. Make a new stream by taking the bowl and throwing the salt on it, knowing that you are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. I am seated in the heavenlies with Christ. So watch this. Because here's the picture that I've had this week. Let's pretend that this is a cloud because that's been the picture. I'm in the heavenlies. By the way, the word heavenlies means something. It, it means the kingdom of God. It means heaven. It means God's kingdom is fitted on something. It says you're seated in the heavenlies. It means literally that God's kingdom principles are seated on wherever you are. Heaven is open to your situation. It's always appropriate for the kingdom principle to come down on whatever you've got going on and whatever I've got going on because I am seated in the heavenlies with Christ. And so I'm up in the heavenlies. This is the picture that I've had in my mind. And let's, let's pretend this is a cloud. And I'm just sitting on the cloud, dangling my feet. And here's Jesus beside me and me and Jesus are sitting on this cloud together and my flesh body is down there and sometimes struggles happen sickness and whatever kind of things occur that, that like hit our flesh right wounds traumatic things they hit our flesh and and my spirit is up in the heavenlies with Jesus because that's what it says in Scripture. I believe that to be true. And I'm sitting here dangling my feet with Jesus. And I have the ability to say, Hey, Jesus, what do you think about that down there? <laughs> what do you think, man? What do I need to do? And he'll say, Go get a bowl. Let's throw some salt on it. By the way, you know where the enemy is in all this? Down there. Do you know what happens when the enemy looks up to see where you are? He sees your feet dangling with Jesus. And I think about multiple passages in Scripture that say that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father until he returns to make his enemies his footstool. And I think about one day me and Jesus are sitting up on this cloud and he's going to say, hey man, are you ready to go? And I'll say, yeah, let's do this. And then he's going to get up. And then all sickness ends and all pain ends and all struggles end. And what I believe to be true in my spirit is going to resonate with my body. And my physical flesh is going to be reawakened and re-enlivened to the kingdom. And I'm going to go, I knew it. <laughs> all the struggle, all the pain, all the hardship. 
my spirit knew that this was worth it all the time. So friends, you're seated with him in the heavenlies. And one of the things that the Lord did in the imagery that he gives us of of him in the church, the, the groom and the bride, it says in Ephesians 5, 26, that God literally speaks the word over us, that Jesus speaks the word over us. And listen, it washes us with water. It purifies us, washing us with water, with the word. So I want to give you a practical step this morning. How do you maintain a kingdom mindset? How do you maintain a spiritual mindset? You let Jesus wash you with the water of the word. Don't drink the bad water. Drink the fresh water that he's providing for us through his word. Through the word rhema there, literally means his spoken word, through what he speaks to you. Through what he is going to speak to you through your family, your church body. That's why we need prophecy today. We need encouraging words for other people. That's why when we see unfruitfulness, we don't need to be okay with it. We need to go, you know what, that's unfruitful. Let's let's bring some, some light into this and let's wash you with water, with the word. Let's let Jesus wash us with water in the word. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know why you came here. Um, but I just want to let Jesus wash you with water, with his word this morning. There's no circumstance too too little. There's no circumstance too big. He just wants to wash over you. He wants to cleanse you and purify you. He wants wants to literally like just pour water on your hands and pour fruitfulness over you. And that may not mean like an overabundance of money or fame or fortune or whatever. It it just might just mean just a quiet settledness (laughs) that he's just with you on the cloud and you're in the heavenlies and y'all are just hanging out. And he's going to bring fruit to your life. He's going to bring productivity to your life.